Good morning, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, and Bulldog fans everywhere. Welcome back to the Hale State Shockwave. We're glad that you're all back with us listening and getting to know a little bit more maybe about your favorite collegiate athletics program. Of course, I'm your co-host, Colton Watson. I'm your other co-host, Gavin Lagazino. And like I said, welcome to the wave. We're glad y'all are having us. Um, before we get started, just want to again apologize for that long break that we took. But like we like we promised, we're getting back regular. You heard our show last week over the bye week, and now we're getting back to our football-related shows. But we're going to start off talking about ba- uh, basketball because it is that time of year. You know, we've got a lot of things going on, a lot of eggs in multiple baskets if you're a Mississippi State fan, and a lot to cheer for. A lot to cheer for this time of year. Um, volleyball season is winding down. They might have played their last match. I'm actually not positive about that. You've got uh, men's and women's get finally just now getting started. You've got football in the thick of their season with three games left to play. It's a good time of year to be a Bulldog fan. And there's stuff going on in baseball, too, and we'll talk about that at the end of the show. Um, but last night, your men took on UT – no, excuse me. The women took on UT last the men took on U, uh, UL Monroe, very similar uh, mascots, but not the same school at all. <laughs> and uh, just to be funny there, they beat UL Monroe by a score of 62 to 45. I'm double checking to make sure that that's right. I'm going to tell y'all wrong. That's right, 62 to 45. You know, there is a, it was a 15 point lead at half. And then we kind of never really pulled away in the second half. They cut it to like, I think, nine at one point. We cut it back to 15 and then, or excuse me, extended out to 15 and then go back and forth like that. But I still like what I saw from Mississippi State yesterday a little bit more than uh, last week. Gavin, did you watch the whole game? Yeah, I did. And I thought that uh, we we rebounded a lot better than we have in the first two games. I think we rebounded – we limited turnovers. I know that it still looks high in the box score, but a lot of that was just sloppy, you know, knowing that you're more athletic than them and just trying to make big-time plays in front of the home crowd is what I felt like. Oh, yeah. We had 14 turnovers, which is a lot – still a lot less than we've been having. That's not a great number. You want to ca- try to keep it about 10, but that's not bad. Yeah. I noticed – and I, here's the reason we have less turnovers. I complained, and I've complained for years about nobody moving around, everybody sitting still. There were guys moving, making cuts, making screens, running sets, running running offense, running plays. I was thrilled. And they didn't do it necessarily particularly well. Okay, but they'll but as the season goes on, they'll get better. But they were running through something instead of just kind of standing up there and just kind of just really dinking around and getting the ball, you know, making difficult passes and trying to force the ball places without moving anybody and getting anybody open. And so I liked that a lot better. If you watch the game, you'll you know exactly what I'm talking about. Of course, uh, last night Reggie Perry came to life, and he's been, <clears throat> of course, he's been the center of attention for most teams. And the reason that he's uh, he's been having to let other people do the scoring since he's just been so dominant uh, in years past, and that they know that what he can brings to the table as a player. But Reggie had a 14 and 14 night, um, 14 points, 14 rebounds. Could have done a lot better from the free throw line, but other than that, um, he was very productive, very efficient also. 
Coach Howland said that he wants uh, Reggie to get to the free throw line about 10 times a night, which means, Reggie, you need to have about 15 points from the free throw line, but that's all right. <laughs> he uh, he didn't ha- quite have 15, but he had he had a few. Um, Reggie knows he need Reggie, if you watch the game, he was getting getting real down on himself for missing his free throws, so he knows that he's yeah. got to clean that up. Um, just about specifically about last night's game, I, they were making. I think the refs were making way too many calls and not letting anybody get into the field, get into the flow of the game. Did you? Yeah, I agree. They were they were really whistle happy last night, and I. But I know that both sides got in the bonus in both halves, which I mean, yeah. I guess that's not that's not too uncommon, but that's like. Golly, they, they, they were calling they, a lot they, of They fouls. caught about three walks on, on two on them and one on us that I didn't even think were walks. Yeah, like, both teams were in the bonus 10 minutes into each half. Oh, yeah. It was – uh, at least it was about even. Um, There was a stretch. They caught about four fouls on us in a row in the second half that I was like – I was getting mad. They didn't seem like fouls. But better even so, like, just let them play. Like, this is the early part of the season. We're trying to figure out what's going on. And if you have to stop the game every 45 seconds, you can't get a rhythm yeah. of, of, and, a, and a pace of play. It's just kind of annoy, annoying. Yep. Um, anyway, we talked about less tar- turnovers. Part of that was – a part of the reason for that is because is uh, Iverson Molinar, our freshman point guard from Panama City. First of all, Tyson – we think of as a backup point guard, but let's be honest, he's not He's not a point guard and doesn't need to be playing there if we can help it. That's not his position. He's was more of a shooting guard last night and even and more so last night than the second game of the year. The second game of the year, um, Tyson was about 50-50. First game, he was mostly point guard. This game, he, he didn't bring the ball up hardly at all. And I liked what Iverson Molinar did. So he's going to be our backup point guard. Let's think about this, though. Backup point guard once Nick gets back, but he's a freshman. And he looks good last night. Yeah. I like what I see from him. Uh, he's, you know, he's not the, he's not a big guy, but he is a point guard. But he got in amongst the trees a couple times, and uh, made a couple shots in the paint. Got his got. Well, I mean, one time he uh, had a jump stop, throw up a hook shot in the paint, couldn't get it. Got his own rebound through three guys that are about twice his height. <laughs> put it right back and scored. We knocked down a lot of leaners last night too. Mm-hmm. Like I'd say at least ten. It seemed like, and it was always the younger guys too. It was always Molinar and uh, DJ Stewart. DJ Stewart um, looked. Now DJ took a couple bad shots last night. A lot of guys <laughs> took some bad shots last night, but DJ oh, Stewart Woodard airballed like four times. It was and Woodard made a th- made a couple nice shots. <laughs> yeah. Woodard made a couple threes, but we. Uh, I didn't actually see the. I mean, I didn't see the first five minutes of the game, but I saw the rest of it. Um. There was the, the when I'm talking about this getting better ball movement, people movement, and talking about how they're still kind of figuring it out and that they will figure it out. There was a big scoring drought in the second half. I think we went about five or six minutes without a, any, a single point. And there we were taking a, a few bad shots. You'd rush some shots, some shots. You'd uh, not get shots off before, uh, with, 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 until you got about a second left in the shot clock and then you got to force something up. You'd have some shots that just if you'd have been a little little bit more patient, you could have got something better. That's part of figuring things out in the early part of the season, though. So if they can, they can get that under the control with the way that they're moving the ball and with the addition that Nick will have as far as spacing the floor and the athleticism that he provides, I think we're going to be all right. Yeah, I agree. We'll have to see when it comes to conference play now. We did, you know, this was a more comfortable margin of victory than it has been for the past couple of weeks. Uh, the first two games, at least. 
Um, we'll see if we can build on that momentum. The women are 2-0. and oh. Women have beaten UT Martin, my bad, in Southern Miss. We're playing a lot of birds. I just remember, just realized we're playing <laughs> a lot of birds. We played the Hawks out of UL Monroe. It's like the Warhawks. Is it the Warhawks yeah, or the, the Skyhawks? The Warhawks. In UT Martin. Um, Monroe's the Warhawks. I think Monroe's yeah. the Warhawks, and UT Martin's the Skyhawks. Yeah, that's right. Um. So, and then tomorrow, of course, we uh, or excuse me, earlier this week, we played the Southern Miss Golden Eagles. That's who the girls played last Saturday. So, again, Friday, tomorrow, we're not playing any kind of birds. The girls are going to be playing uh, Murray State. But in their two games against Southern Miss and UT Martin, if you're just watching, there's not a terrible ton to say about those games as far as who we're playing and what happened specifically. Because you know what the girls are going to do to the team, to, you know, some of these group of five teams. And I say group of five, you know, this isn't football. They're going to run away with it. They're going to be the dominant team that they've been the past five years. And it's going to be a blowout. And it was. We're seeing how we're kind of getting, how we're kind of getting exposed defensively. Teams want to know. We've, we really, we were really, really, really good defensively against UT Martin. Every time UT Martin scored, it was a lapse in defense, which shows that you're kind of a young team and you're trying to still get trying to figure out how this defense is going to work. But the defense looked really good uh, when you weren't having just a total collapse. You know, they didn't they didn't just score on us because we weren't playing good defense. They scored on us because oh shoot, I forgot to do this or miscommunication here or something like that. Yeah, um, and last night after the game, Reggie actually said that he thinks this year's team is a better defensive team than last year's team. You're talking about the men's team or the women's team? Oh, the men's team. Oh, that's not what I was talking about, Gavin. We, we have moved yeah. on. Yeah, no. I, I just <laughs> – I needed to add that. That's – no, you're – I think guarding-wise, especially once they get Nick back, because Nick can guard anybody. Yeah. Um, they are a pretty good defensive team. You know, Reggie's looks great on defense, and we know that that was a dual of dues uh, calling card was how he, how he was able to guard down low in the post. And these two new, these two freshmen, DJ Stewart and um, – Iverson Molinar have are athletic and have been able to stay in front of guys. It looks really good. There, uh, the point guard last night for um, UL Monroe was able to get by Tyson Carter, but they switched uh, Iverson onto him and he he didn't. He's quit getting by and getting into the paint. Oh, they could shoot though. They had two guys that could shoot the ball. They did. They shot. They shot. There's they had a couple guys that were knocking it down pretty consistently, but we won by 17, so we're good. Yeah, back to one. Um, Back to women's, back to women's. Uh, defense is defense, like we said, we've talked all along. It's going to come along. You know, it's it, they, they held UT Martin to 29% shooting, which is phenomenal. Like I said, you just kind of – actually, UT Martin didn't even have a shot attempt the first five minutes of the game. They had seven turnovers and no shots. That's incredible. Yeah, that is. But uh, on offense, they're kind of getting so – we're not terribly worried about the offense, but they did have a couple games against UT Martin where they would just kind of stall out. That has to do maybe, I think, with some of the younger team. There's some younger players on the t- on the court. Um, you've got, of course, Maya Taylor running the point guard. She was one of the most one of the most dynamic high school players this state has ever seen out of Olive Branch, Mississippi. She uh, redshirted her first year and backed up Jasmine Holmes last year. She's doing really well. This year, she is not shooting from deep 
or ha- not even taking any attempts the way I thought she would um, back when I got to know the team when I was a manager a couple years ago. Yeah, I thought she was going to be just a straight shooter. She hasn't been. Especially and, uh, watching and her in high thinking, school. Oh, yeah. So, you, you she's from Olive Branch, so you've seen her in high school. Yeah. Yeah, I used to watch her. I actually know guys that trained with her. Like, she used to train with the boys from DeSoto Central. And I, uh, she would, like, she literally shot better than all of them whenever they were doing drills yeah, and stuff. Yeah, I, I, I watched her, and she missed a couple of free throws the other day. I watched her in practice one time. She she made 59 out of 60 free throws. <laughs> so, like, she can I've shoot. Seen her, I've seen her make 25 threes in a row. That's – I don't – I don't know what – what the deal is with her not shooting hit, hit Vic Schaefer's point yards had never been, you know, volume scores. Now we knew that at five foot three, she was listed at five, five, that Morgan Wood could go give you 30 points if she wanted to. She just didn't ever have to. Yeah. Except one or two times she gave, uh, she put up 40. Remember now she put up over 40 points in NC tournament game once. She can do it. Yeah. I don't know if she, She's if capable. it's just a choice or if it's just, she doesn't feel comfortable shooting or whatever, but I feel like you've got to know she does on the floor that the floor is pretty spaced out, but you can never have too many, you know? Yeah. I think it would keep us from getting bogged down. She's doing a great job though. Jessica Carter. She's not your Tierra McCowan type player. She's more your Asia Wilson type player, but she's going to be pretty good. She's been able to knock down a couple shots from a little bit farther out. Just a sophomore. She's going to be really good. Promise Taylor, who's not as athletic as Jessica Carter, but is really, really smart. And is going to be a, is probably could be just as dominant a post as she as as Jessica, but she's uh, still recovering from a pretty bad injury that she took over a year ago. Um, you look really good as a as from a post player standpoint. The biggest thing, you know, talking about we're going to get this defense fixed and the offense looks good uh, when it doesn't stall out. Those are all things that are going to you know come into their own as the season goes on. But the biggest thing to talk about with the women's team is how our freshmen have been playing. There have, we had signed, we, now we've signed two more uh, high school seniors this week. We'll get more to that later. But we have four players that came into the class last year that came on, got on campus after they graduated this spring. Okay. Those players are Rakia Jackson, Aliyah Matharu, Jemiah Mingo Young, and Jemiah Hemingway, and there's a lot of names. There's Jemiahs, and there's Yamayas, and there's Mayas. So this is really hard to keep up with everybody. With everybody, but three of these: um, Jemiah Mingo Young, uh, Eliyah Matharu, and Rakia Jackson, who's a starter, who everybody says is the next Victoria Vivian. She's our first McDonald's All-American to ever be signed by Mississippi State, um, which is crazy to me. I figured Vic Schaefer would have gotten one by now. It also shows you how broken that McDonald's All-American system is because Victoria Vivians is either the first or second highest point getter ever in all of high school basketball in the history of the United States. And she wasn't a McDonald's All-American. Yeah. So, I don't know how that works. But <laughs> but must be what big time school you go to or something like that. I'm sorry. She she averaged she averaged like thirty seven in high school. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. Um Rakia Jackson, it's hard to be been hard to get her going. She's not shooting at a high percentage, but they're but they are starting to turn her loose and let her shoot. She's a volume shooter and a volume scorer. She's like I said, a lot like Victoria Vivens. You just gotta let her do her thing. She's over about six feet tall, but plays uh small forward. 
she's going to be special. And like I said, Matharu and Mingo Young, these two uh, freshmen put up a, were a combined in their last game, um, eight for ten, and they've really been showing that they can handle this this kind of pressure of the college game that they're transitioning well. Um, your Matharu, she's more like a like a point guard kind of. Yeah, uh, Mingo Young is more like a small forward. They're both aggressive, they're tenacious, and they're getting out there and they're doing their thing and not letting the moment be too big for them when they uh, as transitioning from high school to college. Last game, we had 39 points from our bench. 39 points from our bench. You had points from those two, of course. You had points from Zaria Wiggins off the bench and Andre Espinosa Hunter, who's still trying to who's still trying to you know get into a good rhythm. She's doing pretty well, but not not getting quite the minutes we, we uh, thought she'd get until until this uh, in the first game she didn't in this game she did. They're uh, they're coming into their excuse me, <clears throat> she's coming into her own as well. I'm still trying to figure things out a little bit. I think down the stretch. With the way that she's able to shoot the ball and the and how good she's been playing on defense, Andre Espinosa Hunter, it's going to be a really special team that's going to be able to sp- space you out because you've got Chloe Bibby out there shooting, you've got uh, Hunter out there shooting, R- R- uh, Rakia Jackson out there shooting. Um, Jordan Danbury doesn't shoot threes, but she is going to step out there and shoot that short jumper, and she's going to knock that down eighty percent of the time to where. It's going to be a tough team to defend with all that size you have down low because Jessica Carter, six foot four, Promise Taylor, six foot four, Yamaya Morris, another uh, center that we signed, six foot six. Um, we look good down low, and then we've got the, we've kind of got the the athletes and the shooters around them to kind of put this thing together. I think. Yeah, I would agree with that for sure. All right, moving on to football which I'm sure is most of y'all's top concern this time of year. You know, we, we all love basketball, but it is kind of hard to stay focused on basketball while football season still going on. Just like it's kind of – some people, it's hard to focus on baseball when basketball season still going on. We understand. Moving on to the, uh, the waning season, the waning athletic season of football. Of course, Nick Saban's 8-1 and one Alabama Crimson Tide comes into Starkville this weekend, and we get the honor, the distinguished honor of being the team that plays against the Crimson Tide after they lose the first home game in about four years. Yep, we're pretty lucky. Isn't that? So we get to just continue their losing streak, right? Oh, uh, yeah, that's the goal. Oh, yeah. So uh, there's a chance that Tua Tagovailoa doesn't play. And if I'm being completely honest, he probably shouldn't play. And I mean that if I was an Alabama fan, I think he shouldn't play. Um, if I, I'm going to be – if you're Alabama, and if, and if Alabama can't beat Mississippi State on the road without Tua, they're not going to be able to beat anybody in the SEC championship game that they're probably not going to get to and anybody in the college football playoff. So that – they should need to keep him healthy. And that's good for us because if he doesn't play, well – could be that's obviously better for us. Um, yeah, I think I think too is one of the most amazing college players I've ever seen. People have kind of gotten off his bandwagon because he's been hurt and because they just kind of got tired of the whole Tua. You know, the Tua, Tua Trevor Lawrence. Trevor Lawrence had a bad couple of games at Clemson starting off the season, but him and Tua 
have been just as good as they were last season since then. And nobody's talking about them because Joe Burrow and uh, and uh, Justin Fields and Jalen Hurts. How many quarterbacks start with a J? <laughs> all the good ones. Yeah, all the good ones have been doing so so such cool things. But again, we were freaking out about Tua and Trevor Lawrence last year, and they're doing the same thing. So it just shows you how the media works. You know, we don't we focus on what's new, not necessarily what's good. Okay, yeah. we focus on the the teams and names. Uh, we focus on not only what's new, but also on the teams that are big-time teams, you know, Oklahoma, LSU, Ohio State. Guys, there's a quarterback at Washington State that's leading the country in yards, touchdowns, and completion percentage. He's top five in completion percentage, and we're not talking about him. Yeah, I can't he, Gardner is the same way. So. I can't tell his name. See, people started talking about Gardner a little bit. Yeah, because of his mustache. Got, well, they got to because, yeah, because he, he, he forced him to because he was so interesting. This, You know, heaven forbid you have, like, a, a normal person. <laughs> All due respect to Gardner, I love Gardner. He's such a cool dude. Uh, playing quarterback over there, and all of a sudden, he's not worth talking about. But anyway. Yeah. Um, but Tua may or may not play. And if he does play, most predict that he won't play the whole game. That being said, you know, it's not going to come down to, is their quarterback just going to torch us uh, for that game to, to go the way it's going to go? We're going to have to stop the run game first and foremost, because it's still Alabama. They still want to run the ball first. Najee Harris was a monster against LSU and still, although, although they didn't get that win, he's kind of figuring things out as a, as a runner being more decisive and trying to run between the tackles instead of just bouncing outside every time, which is, I don't I never understood why we try to bounce it outside every time. Cause the dude's a, tr- a tank. Uh, that's probably the player that could be like the, the biggest X factor player. Of course, when it comes to Alabama, though, Alabama's got four receivers that would be one of that would be like superstar level receivers on any team in the, in the country, and there's four of them. Okay, it's obvious. Honest, it's kind of unfair. It's it's sad and it's terrifying. You've got Devonta Smith, who doesn't ever who actually had a drop pass his first drop pass of the season against LSU last year, who Not caught sweet. the game winning, huh? Last week. What did I say? Last year. Oh, last week. Yeah. Sorry. Um, who caught the game-winning touchdown pass in the national championship game at overtime against Georgia. You've got Jerry Judy, who runs routes about like Amari Cooper and who will probably be the first receiver taking, taken in the draft this year and yeah. who already won the Blitnikoff Award. You've got Jalen Waddell who runs about a 4-2. And you've got Henry Ruggs, who's a little bit of all that, you know, kind of yeah. combined. Ruggs is probably their second-best receiver. In order, I think it would go Judy, Ruggs, Smith, Waddle. But I will say, this isn't the hardest wide receiver core our secondaries had to keep up with this year. Hot take of the day. Who is that? LSU. You think LSU's receivers are better than Alabama's? Yes. I'll tell you why they're not. Okay. Three is not as good as four. Yeah, I will, I will agree with that, but I think LSU Jamar Chase and Justin LSU Jefferson are better than their top two. Really? Yeah. So you have an argument there. I still disagree. I think Justin but. Jefferson is better than uh, than Jerry Judy, and then I would take – I would probably take Jamar over Henry Ruggs. Nice. I would – 
I think Jerry Judy is an absolutely transcendent player, and I really, really like Devontae Smith as a receiver. Devontae Smith has he, – he's never – like, if you ever play – if you play fantasy, they have boom or bust. He never busts, and he doesn't always boom. But sometimes that dude can just go off. The dude – against Ole Miss, he caught five touchdowns. Yeah. Six touchdowns. Five or six touchdowns. That's a lot. Yeah, that's quite a few. That's at least – that's at least a couple. And – he can do that whenever he wants. Just, you know, just depends on the mood, I guess. Uh, of course, Jerry Judy will and Jalen Jalen Waddle and the punt. You know, he had that punt return against uh, against LSU. Jalen Jalen Waddle and Jerry Judy are both incredibly fast. Of course, Waddle's the speediest guy on the team. You know, I know we played Anthony Schwartz at Auburn, who's apparently the fastest player in college football, and he did hurt us some. But, but he didn't Waddell, gash us. He didn't. He didn't kill us. Jalen Waddle just with the way it's so wide open with those receivers, he he terrifies me too. Because as soon yeah. as he's got the ball in his hands, he made a guy miss. You know, somebody had a. He, he was coming on the end of the round in the first drive of the game, and you know, so some uh, Grant Delpit, who's one of their best athletes, comes to make a tackle, and then Jalen Waddle just runs around him, just completely miss miss guessed. Uh, miscalculated how fast the dude was. And, I mean, I could see that happening to us just because of how the defense has been playing this year. Has it been exactly what we thought it could be? Yeah. I actually I just got a DM about uh, the game on Saturday from a fan. What did the fan say? He has a hot take. Hot take. He says, we will hold Bama to 40 on Saturday. Saban will piss his pants when we pull two his pants down and hurt his ankle again. I hope we don't hurt his ankle. I hope we don't hurt him. That's never the wish. Well, you're saying we should pants him. Yeah, yeah. I think he's he's throwing it back to what we did to Burrow. Oh, I mean, like, there's no reason not to pants him. I can't, I cannot <laughs> argue with that. Ruin his Heisman run. There's no, there is absolutely no argument that I can give you to that would tell me that it would be bad to pull his pants down. Yeah. Can you just go doing that on purpose? No, I think it's you have to make it. You have to sell it, right? Yeah, like Chauncey did. To, we yeah, all know Chauncey, Chauncey did it on purpose. Oh yeah, he did a oh, good job sure. of making it look fake. You got it. You got to You got to sell it though. So we got to have the. You got to let the opportunity come to you. You can't just go pants hunting. Okay. Yeah. You got to take it as it comes. You got sixty minutes. All right, maybe. But now here's the thing. I just said he's probably not going to play the whole game, so they're going to know that time's a wasted. You know. Yeah, I agree. I agree. So, so we got to get him in the first quarter, is what you're saying. That's what I'm saying. I feel like every quarterback after then, since then, has made extra sure to tighten up their belt. Yeah, probably. That, that's and a fair the, assumption. And tuck the shirt in and tie, tie, double knot their belt and everything like that. Because yep. shout look, out, shout out to Ben Sandlin for the conversation. Thank you, thank you, Ben Sandlin. And I love you, random citizen. Okay, <laughs> no, I, I, that's. That's a good, that is a good point though. We need to get his pants down, and I think if we can get his pants down early, we can win the game. Because let's be honest, Joe Burrow didn't score after we pulled his pants down last week. <laughs> he did not throw another touchdown. Yeah. So that's got me thinking. Um, we could do this. Yep. We could upset alert. That's the game plan. If that's not if that's not on Coach Joe's on Joe Mo's uh, chalkboard this week. Then I'm I'm starting to I'm starting to uh, find some credence in all these people calling for him to be fired. Yep, that's got to be on the game plan. Tell him to go ahead and take the Rutgers job. 
if you're not trying to pants other teams' quarterback, why are you coaching football? <laughs> I don't understand. Anyway, moving on from football-related things, uh, there, we're not – like I said, we're trying to balance – we can't just talk about football for 45 minutes because we're trying to balance everything that's going on. Um, we're not going to – we're probably going to talk more about – when it's, the season's overlap, we're going to talk about more about the games in football after they, they happen than before. Okay, does that make sense? We're yeah. trying to not give y'all hour-and-a-half-long shows, and we had to talk about two other sports that are playing this week. Okay. And another big event that happened this week. Tell us about that, Gavin. Yep, so uh, it was National Early Signing Day for baseball, and state locked down – well, not locked down, but um, we got a lot of signees that are some really big names in high school baseball around the country. Um, so, first off, I want to talk about Austin Hendricks. He's a we got we got three big power bats in this class so far. And Austin Hendricks is probably he might be the most nationally known out of the three. Um Hendricks is the smallest of the guys that are power bats. He's about six one, like two oh five. And uh he can little. Yeah, he's a lefty. <laughs> and he can he can swing it for sure. Uh he's an outfielder. He's got a good arm, and uh, hopefully he'll end up actually coming to state. He's actually projected to go in the first round. But then the, our second most notable power bat, he, he's, he might be first on some list, uh, Blaze Jordan. And Blaze is not even the biggest power bat. He's actually – he's 6'2", 220. Um, so he, he's still a pretty big guy, and – He's been well-known ever since he was little for literally – he was – I think he was 12 years old when he hit a ball out of Marlins Park. So, That's I mean, he – yeah, he can definitely – I actually go to high school with Blaze, and the way that our uh, stadiums are set up, our football field is to um, – it's right behind left field uh, for our baseball field. And I've actually seen Blaze hit a ball to the 50-yard line on our football field. <laughs> So yeah, it's it's pretty ridiculous. Um, he Blaze has a little bit more strikeouts than you'd like to see, but you know, like most power hitters, you're going to strike out, and you know he'll pay you back with all of the, the home runs that he's going to hit. But uh, our third power bat is actually Kellum Clark, and he is six four, two twenty five. He's a really big dude. Uh, he's a righty infielder. Him and Blaze are both infielders, by the way. So. They'll probably be playing on the corners uh, if they both do choose to come to state. And um, I just want to say that with the new NCAA rules, it, I would say that it gives guys like uh, Austin Hendricks and Blaze a, a lot higher of a chance to come to college just because they're able to make some money while they're in college. They're not missing out on too much. Um, you know, big companies like Nike and Adidas and all that, they're going to be signing these guys while they're in college. So I, I'm actually really happy for what that'll do with uh, college baseball. But moving on, we, we actually got two really good pitchers out of this class too. So first we got Jackson Fristo, and he's like he's, – he's a long right-handed pitcher. He's 6'4", but he's only 180. Um, he's pretty strong. So far, his fastball velo is 95, and that's actually pretty high coming out of high school. So I'm excited to see what he can do. Uh, and then our the last guy I'm going to talk about is Cade Smith. He goes to school with me and Blaze, and uh, 
he's not he's not quite as tall. He's only six one, which I mean that's still a pretty good size. He's six one, like one eighty five. Um, the highest that I've ever seen him throw is ninety seven. Dang. Yeah, he runs it up there, and uh, you know he. He's actually adding velo like crazy. Like he was, he was only throwing like ninety two last season, and then he just started throwing it on. So we'll have to see what he can get up to. But uh, yeah, I'm definitely excited to see him throw. And he, out of the all the guys that I've listed, I would say Cade's probably most likely to go to state. But all these guys are going to get drafted. Got you. Um, talking about just the draft prospects, you know it's almost unheard of for a first round or a second round draft pick to go to college, except it happened. And it happened for Mississippi state last, last year, just this yeah. last recruiting cycle. Right. Yeah. So there's not going to be this huge, it's not going to be just the worst surprise in the world if they come here and it's not out of the realm of possibility. I wouldn't be surprised if none of those guys signed or yep. excuse me, came to campus, they've all signed. But I also wouldn't be surprised if we got most of them. And just one of those pitchers and one of those hitters can can really ignite a baseball team, guys. Yep. These the we just he just said probably the second best hitter of the two. I'm not joking. Has hit has launched balls 500 feet. Yeah, Blaze is actually Blaze is second nationally ranked, and Austin's third. So, so Blaze is ranked slightly higher. Yeah. But, I mean, that's still some big-time guys. The same class, number two and number three. Not to mention, not to mention, Blaze actually decided that he wanted to graduate early. So, he's supposed to be a junior right now, and he's graduating this year. This kid's 17 years old, guys. Yeah, he's a monster. 17 years old. And he – go go look up a video of him hitting the ball. Yeah. There's actually you can you can see the video of him hitting it into the second deck in Marlins Park. I tear up. I I watch it. I'm like, where does this yeah. guy get this from? Yeah. He he was literally 12 or 13 in that video. I'm not sure which one, but there's a kid in my county that was doing that when he was 13, and I was about 16, and I think he ended up playing junior college baseball. But I was like, why? He was hitting it out of like the Texan Stadium at 13. <laughs> And we all thought he was – I heard about that, and I was like, wow, he's going to be the number one draft pick. And then kind of fell off, I guess. I don't know. Maybe he couldn't hit except for hit for contact at all. I don't know what happened. But he ended up not not going to college like the four-year school. Yeah. Anyway, some other things, some other tidbits about the, uh, our signing class. Um, we're going to have a lot of left-handed junior college pitchers. A lot of these transfer pitchers have been really good for us. Uh, of course, y'all all remember um, Colby White last year, junior college guy. That's just one of one of many that's uh, we've gotten for, as transfer students. And a lot of guys on the left side, you know, most of our starters are all righties. Okay, or no, excuse me, Christian McLeod is left-handed, but JT Ginn, um, JT Ginn is uh, right-handed, and uh, Eric Sarantola is right-handed, or whoever's our midweek starter will probably be right-handed. But you've got all these relievers coming in from junior college that will be left-handed. So it's going to be, a, a, I think, a really good mix on the mound next year. And, of course, being GCO guys, you'd expect – you wouldn't expect, you know, any kind of like a huge transition period. You're not going to just ease them into it. They're, they're going to be up here ready to go. Um, another tidbit, we have two kids named Blaze. 
I don't know how in the signing class. I don't know how that worked. There's also Blaze Terry from Tupelo. Yeah, that that has to be uh, the rarest accomplishment in Mississippi State history. Probably so. We have another thing is how many t- kids on the team do we have named Jordan now? If Blaze comes, you got Rowdy Jordan, Landon Jordan, Blaze Jordan. Yep. Jordan Westberg. Now, talking to Blaze, you would expect if you're the second ranked guy in, in the nation for your class. And you're you're younger than everybody in your class. You'd expect him to go to the draft. But from talking to him, that's not completely – coming to state is not completely off the table for him. So, that's good to hear. I mean, he, some, he's going to he's gonna get a hold of somebody, I think, that's going to convince him to take the money. No, for sure. It's just – I just hope J, he talks to JT Ginn's parents and talk yeah. about how awesome – because if you look – okay, so, guys, let's look at what Lamonis did with JT Ginn working through this injury last year. Not to mention Blaze Jordan drives a yellow Lamborghini to school. So. Shut the heck. No way. <laughs> Are you serious? Yeah, I promise you. He has a what? A yellow Lamborghini, but whatever. Don't worry about it. A what? That. It doesn't really – it's not that big of a deal. He's. I'm just saying maybe he won't take the money because it's uh, not no, too big of an issue. That's not – That's a, bro, that's such a huge deal. A Lamborghini, what the heck? I'm shook. <laughs> Thank you for this is in this just in guys. One of our recruits drives a Lambo. Yep. But he got it before he was a recruit, so don't give me that. Oh don't. no, no. What does his parents do? Uh his dad like owns a supplement shop. Like workout supplements. That's it? Yeah, I don't know what his mom does. They sell a lot of vitamins. <laughs> no, it's like I don't know. His his dad Owns like a GNC or something. I'm pretty sure. So, Dang. yeah, that's impressive. Well, that actually is kind of encouraging. You know, they don't need the money. <laughs> yeah, they don't need the money that he would get with his first with his rookie contract. Um, it, you're turning down a couple million dollars. You know, if you're a first round draft pick, you're turning down at most about three million, and after taxes, it ends up less than that. So we'll see. That is that actually is you know it's 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 a interesting fact but it is kind of some insight into the situation you know if he will sign or not because like i said you know if if you're driving an 87 volkswagen to school you might take that million (laughs) dollars anyway um might be more apps to take the million dollars now back to what i was saying jt again because coach lamonis did a absolute stellar job not letting jt ruin his life or ruin his career or even, you know, just have a setback with his injury. They treated that thing both times he got injured because, remember, he, he, was, he was sore a little bit during about the first couple of SEC weekends. And then during the tournament, he started getting kind of a little bit gimpy. We handled that with poise. Uh, let him, we, didn't, we told him, you know, if you got to take some velo off, you can. And he did and still pitched really well against Louisville in the uh, NCAA in, the, uh, in Omaha. Oh, there's no we doubt. Did, there's no doubt that the coaching staff definitely has their best interest in mind. They're not trying to go in games and end up screwing over guys that could have, you know, long careers in the MLB. Oh yeah, and they they they're sure that they're going to take care of them, which that's not gonna that's not gonna hurt anybody's feelings when they start thinking about should I go to college or should I go pro? Yeah. All right. Should I stay in college? Should I go pro? I know if I stay in college that Coach Lamonis is going to take care of me and not going to let is not going to ask me to do anything that I don't need to be doing. And I'm going to be honest, we have not always had coaches like that. I'm not. I don't come on this show to gossip. But in 2016, we had nine guys on Tommy John. That's all I'm going to say. 
Okay. <laughs> That's all you have to know. All right. There's nothing else that needs to be discussed there. That's not a coincidence. That's all I'm saying. Uh, that's not that's a completely different coaching staff. There's if you just watching from afar, anybody that's ever kept up with it even in the slightest, and of course Blaze Jordan would have, knows that an MLB prospect is not going to have his career jeopardized. It, of course, every time you don't take your money, you're jeopardizing your career a little bit. But not yeah. any more than it has to be, which is good. Um, signing day, of course, this Wednesday, it's kind of weird. They do football. Football has its own day. Every other sport pretty much signs, uh, has a signing day that, that happened this week. It's all And for every sport, every signing day is on a Wednesday. Um, but we had volleyball, soccer, softball, baseball, men's and women's basketball signed. Um, we got once we, you know, of course, in basketball, it's kind of funny. You know, you're used to football getting 25 guys at, or ish, you know, 20 to 25 guys. You might have a basketball class with one guy. Um, there's still t- it's still a signing period. We can still have some more signees, but we signed one kid in men's basketball and two in women's. Now, last year we signed four. So you don't have to go back and sign four or five. You can only sign one or two. That's why we did that in women's this year. Um, same thing in men. You know, you only got you got there's only 15 guys on the team. If there's freshmen, sophomores, uh, juniors, seniors, you only need three to four of each one of those classifications to make a 15-man roster. So, yeah. Um, those recruits, of course, we signed two more top one. They're all top 100 recruits for the men's and women's. Um, looks good. We'll get more, you know, more fun to talk about the baseball recruiting because you do – baseball is a sport where you sign, you know, several dozen players. So, uh that's all fun and good. If you go back and look in our episodes, you can find a baseball episode where we talk about our recruiting class. It was after Omaha that we recorded that this summer. Yeah. So if you want to get some more in-depth, we listed every single recruit and whether or not they were going to make it to campus from this past cycle. Yeah. Because that was when we were really high on Andre Tarver. Yeah, and he's out. Yep. Um, Unfortunately, you hate to see. Oh well, we still got Cameron. We still got Cameron. So that's going to be on. That's all on the guys that are that are in fall ball that were in fall ball this year. That last crop of recruits. And I'm sure before the next the the next fall uh, semester, we will talk about this class of recruits because, like I said, there's still a lot to go on, and this recruiting process is still going on. Baseball is funny like that. Once you sign, it's not over. Nope. You know, I would, I would, don't, I don't envy the position that our baseball coaches are in because once they sign, it's not done. They've got to, you know, God, do you really, you know, you, you, I know you want to get drafted, but that's what they've got to be telling these guys. And of course, I know the way Coach Lamontis is going to work, he's not going to tell those, tell those guys you shouldn't get drafted. He's going to be, right. he's going to be honest and forthright with these guys because he's a good man, from what I've seen so far. He's a good person. I've talked to him a couple times, just you know casually as a fan you know in meeting he seems genuine uh him all all of our coaches seem to be really really good guys on and off the oh, yeah. field and on and off the court and that has I know everybody loves Gotro do what I said I know everybody loves Gotro Gotro's awesome he's he's you know I'm glad he stuck around that's that was huge for us to keep him around he was mentioned in Tulane's uh coaching search this year 
as a graduate of Tulane, but he stayed home uh, in Starkville. He says he loves it here. Hopefully he'll stay here for a long time. Yeah. Uh, but there is – you've gotten – I think right now your four major sports coaches are all good guys. And I don't like to – I'm not going to slander every, every, anybody particular, but I will say that, you know, th- even two or three years ago, not every single coach and maybe even more than one of your coaches for those major sports were, were gr- good coaches – and weren't bad people, but just weren't the easiest to get along with all the time. And that's not the case yep. with any of your coaches. Vic Schaefer's, I'll tell you what, he's hard on his girls, but they love him. And he is an absolute gentleman, polite, and as genuine as you'll find uh, with other people. It's funny. He likes, he likes to, uh, he likes to, you know, has kind of cuff, off the cuff sense of humor. It's not really, he's not really about, What's, 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 what's the way to put this? He's not trying to just be all – he's super polite and nice, but not trying to be all this, you know, frilly and, you know, keep it keep everything, you know, mellow and chill. You know, he'll he'll talk about whatever. He's cool. Um, loves turkey hunt. Lamonis is a nice guy. Joe Moorhead is a extremely nice guy. He he came over here and started, asked not, – not, was not told to – asked to do an entire um, – a donor drive for bone marrow transplants for kids that, with leukemia and other diseases that uh, require those kind of transplants, which is where you're, and I, they sign me up. They want you to take a D, uh, give you your DNA and they'll keep it on file. And if somebody comes up with a match and needs a transplant, they'll call you. And if you want to donate bone marrow, you can, which that doesn't mean you're going to, but the reason they do that is because it's like one in 600 chance of being a match to be a do- bone marrow donor donor. And they need as many you think they're doing that for Marcus Murphy? Oh, yeah. Well, now, see, Joe Moorhead was going to do that before, and then Marcus Murphy's kid got sick with a similar disease. That was a crazy coincidence. But, yeah, for um, sure, that, that that made it even bigger. It's a huge deal for the football team. Huh. So, uh, I know that uh, to open up his presser this week, you think it was on – because it was on Veterans Day, so he did a little spill about the veterans. Mm-hmm. So. That's – that's he's got – his little seems like his heart's in the right place, which – Yeah. If, if we're being honest, of course, wins is probably what matters most to us as, from a coaching standpoint. But in all seriousness, being a great person that causes your, your players to become better people is the most important thing we can ask of a coach. So I think you've got that with all of our groups right now. Of course, Lamonis has only been here a year. I, I, you know, he might – he might kick a puppy tomorrow and it make the news and we'll realize that maybe he's a nice guy. I'm not, I'm not guaranteeing any of these things. I don't know. Other than coach Schaefer, I haven't spent a ton of time around any of them, but they all seem like they're the real deal. Well, that's going to do it for today. Hope y'all enjoyed our, uh, our program today. We'll be back after the Alabama game. So that expect that show Monday, maybe Tuesday morning. Sound good, Gavin. Yep. And we'll be right back kicking and screaming with a new a new show, and then we'll talk about Abilene Christian um, this time next week, and then after that it's Egg Bowl time. And of course, our schedule is going to get kind of weird around the Egg Bowl. It's on Thanksgiving, but uh, we've only got three more weeks. You, you know, we play tomorrow, and we've got less than three weeks of football. That's it. We're almost done, and we got to win two of these games to to continue our season. I hope we get to talk about a ball game on this show, guys. It is my wish that we talk about a ball game on this show. We've got Alabama yep. this week. We got Abilene Christian and Ole Miss. Just do the math. We got to win two of them. Let's win two of them. All right.
like I said, we're going to talk more about football next, uh, the game in itself and X's and O's afterwards because we just have so much going on. We can't, we don't have time to talk about all that, all that beforehand as much as we would like with the seasons being mixed up, but we'll dissect all that later. Of course, whatever you got going on, best of luck to you. I hope it's successful. I hope that your dreams all come true this week. And, and of course, as always, praise the Lord and go dogs and hail state. Hail state.